0: Hello and welcome to the 77th episode of Crosby's Nine, where we look at English from all angles. How are you? Are you ready to practice your English and learn? Let's go for it. Let's go for it. That's such a common expression in English. Everybody says it. Go for it. Go for it. Let's go for it. What does it mean? What does the expression go for it mean? Please repeat. What does it mean? Please repeat. How do you say? How do you say? How do you say? Please repeat. Why does she go? Why does she go? Why does she go to the store? Please repeat. Why did he go? Why did he go? Please repeat. Has she ever been there? Has she ever been there? Please repeat. Will you go? Will you go? Will you go? Okay, this is a side note. I know I'm speaking about something different here. But the key to understanding English is to easily be able to recognize commonly used combinations of words. What do I mean by that? Well, that's an example. What do I do? I do. I does she? Does she? Where does she live? Did they? Did they? Did they? Where did they go? Where will you go? Where will you go? Have you ever been there? Have you? Has she gone? Has she? This is really an important thing, and if you can recognize those combinations quickly, your listening comprehension will improve tremendously. And that's why you're listening to Crosby's 9. So let's go back and talk about go for it. So if you say go for it to somebody, it means that you want them to try to achieve something even though you have a doubt. Even if you are a little fearful, go for it anyway. To do something with enthusiasm, go for it. I'm going to try this. I'm going to give it a shot. Remember the expression to give something a shot. Give it a shot means give it a chance or give it an opportunity. Now... Remember what I always say about learning how to pronounce words properly in English. What you need to do is count the number of syllables that the word has. Enthusiasm. Enthusiasm. Go for it. Do something with enthusiasm. So, count the syllables of these words that you have difficulty with pronouncing. Go for it. No, not. I'm not talking about a gopher. Yeah, we have the expression go for it, but uh, there is a little animal. You know that little rodent? It's called a gopher. These little cute little animals that dig underground, they dig these little tunnels. Now, you may be asking yourselves what's the difference between a gopher and a groundhog? You've probably heard of Groundhog Day. And that's where these little rodents come out of their burrow or of their den. And this happens on the 2nd of February. And the groundhog, this little furry rodent, you know, these little animals that dig underground and they create these little tunnels. They're very cute and furry. Well, on February 2nd, according to this Dutch superstition in the United States, the the Pennsylvania Dutch had this superstition, both in Canada as well as in the United States, that if on February 2nd, the groundhog came out of its burrow And sees its shadow well it would see its shadow because of clear weather so if the groundhog comes out of its burrow and sees its shadow because the weather is clear it will get scared and go back to its den and that means that there will be six more weeks of winter but if the groundhog comes out of its den and doesn't see its shadow and doesn't get scared because it's cloudy well apparently There will be an early spring. So you know the story. Groundhog Day, it starts on, or it happens on February 2nd every year. So, but yeah, a groundhog and a gopher, they're very similar, but they're also very different. Groundhog. We can see the two words there, ground and hog, ground and hog. What does ground mean? Well, a ground is like the land, the soil, and a hog is like a pig, isn't it? Hey, don't hog the couch. I love that expression, to hog. Apart from being a noun, the animal is a hog. It's like a big pig. We also have the verb, which is slang. It's very informal. To hog something means to take all of the space for you. Let's say, for example, you are sleeping with your partner in bed and there is only one pillow. Well, to hog something means not to share it, to take it for yourself. Come on, don't hog the pillow. There's only one pillow. We need to share the pillow. Don't hog it. (laughs) When I was a kid, my brother and sister and I used to argue. We would argue. We used to argue. We would argue. We used to argue. We would argue. Remember, we can substitute the word would. We would argue, or I could say we used to argue, and we would argue about who could sit in the middle of the car in the back seat? Who could sit in the back seat but in the middle? Everybody fought for the middle. And of course, that was because you could see out the windshield better. You could see in front of you. But anyway, we would argue about people taking up too much space. Hey, you're taking up too much space. Hey, don't hog my space. You're hogging the space. Okay, so to hog is to take up too much space when you're supposed to share it now listen to that phrasal verb to take up to take up means to occupy and we don't separate that phrasal verb so if you put a new couch or a new sofa in your living room and the sofa is enormous and it's too big and you don't like the way it looks it's because the sofa or the couch is taking up too much room it's taking up too much space Remember how we pronounce these words in English that begin with an S, space. Now, the way to avoid pronouncing, for example, an E before this word, which doesn't exist, let's really emphasize or stress the S. Store, strange, strive, store. How do you spell store? S-T-O-R-E. Another question. When you learn a word, like in this case a noun, store. I have to go to the store. I have to buy some bread and some food, etc., at the store. But the question is, is it also a verb? Yes, it is. To store. Can you think of a synonym for the verb to store? To stock or to warehouse something. Right? If you store something, you are putting it somewhere for protection or for future use. You are stocking it, you are storing it, you are warehousing it. By the way, when we're talking about these words that begin with S, like strange, don't forget to really emphasize, as I mentioned, the S. Strange, stranger things have happened. There's a cool expression, stranger things have happened. Well, stranger things have happened. The expression, stranger things have happened, refers to something that's very unlikely, but it could happen. It's not impossible, but it's unlikely. Let's say, for example, you have a friend who smokes, and your friend tells you that he is going to stop smoking, and you say, well, I doubt it, but stranger things have happened. Or what about, let's say, for example, Michael Jordan, the famous basketball player from Chicago who played for the Chicago Bulls, let's say... That he is going to return to the nba yeah he wants to come out of retirement what would you say Hmm. i doubt it that's going to be difficult but stranger things have happened so try using that expression start using that expression like i always tell you listeners please go out and use this new vocabulary because if not it remains theory It's theoretical. It's not practical. You need to put it into practice. So don't be afraid to make mistakes when you speak English. You'll only learn more that way. And also, use these expressions and these new words even if it doesn't make sense. Just apply these words and expressions in a strange situation or a normal situation. It doesn't matter what people think. If you don't put it into practice, you won't remember it. Okay, anyway, that's all for the 77th Crosby's Nine podcast. I really appreciate you listening. I'll see you soon. Bye-bye.